Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. Today's guest is Shauna Leeser, who had a near-death experience in the third grade where Jesus led her to the heavenly realm and she met with two relatives on the other side. Shauna, thank you for being my guest and welcome. Thank you, Jess. <laughs> thank Shana, you for having me. Let's start on that fateful day in the third grade and go from there. Okay. Um, it was in the summer and my older brother and I always stay with my grandparents. And we had a friend that lived across the street that we always look forward to coming to visit every summer. And one day, this friend and my brother uh, shared that there was a game that many of the kids were playing at the time of uh, choking each other out and pressing on each other's chests and making them pass out so they could have cool experiences while they faint. And... Uh, that's not exactly how it went for me. <laughs> um, as I was being choked out and my chest pressed, according to my brother, I turned blue and slid down the wall. And what I experienced was coming out of my body and standing behind them, watching them. Um, they were very scared. They didn't know what happened. And um, heard them speaking among themselves on what they were going to do, how they were going to tell the family. <laughs> really freaking out. And I, um, while I'm in this place watching them, felt this presence pulling me behind me. And as I turned behind me, I saw the ceiling part. The ceiling fan disappeared. <laughs> and through the parting of the ceiling, um, I'm going to get choked up. I don't share this too terribly much, but, um, a long white robe, a hand extended out and I could not see the face because it was the most brilliant white light I had ever seen. Um, were, yeah, I later identified that. And at the time felt this was divine light, Jesus. Um, there, there was a semblance of hair around the light, but the light was so intense it drowned most out. And as he extended his hand out and gestured me to come up towards him, I took his hand. He led me up into another realm of white, <laughs> just white, and silhouettes as far as the eye could see. And through the sea of silhouettes, uh, there was just this telepathic uh, communication between all of us, this connectedness, uh, even with Christ that I was being escorted by. <laughs> 
and felt super special and connected and like I was home. And uh, through the sea of silhouettes were two in particular that came forward in the center. And uh, as they started getting closer to me, we both started gravitating towards one another. Um, I later came to find out one was my great grandmother on my mom's side. And, uh, and the other one, uh, I later identified as my uh, great grandfather's sister. And they spoke to me for, uh, could have been 10 earth seconds, <laughs> but up there, it went on and on of things they were explaining to me, telling me I lost memory of it when I came back. But uh, over there, I remember just knowing uh, it was like being refreshed into all truth and um I thought at the time, as they're explaining all of this to me, that was it. I get to stay. <laughs> and you guys are are sharing with me uh, all I've missed <laughs> while, while I've been gone in my long eight years on the planet. And um, and then they broke the news that I needed to come back. There wasn't time. So I uh, got choked up and remember becoming kind of emotional inside, which over there isn't really like it is here, becoming emotional. It <laughs> is more like this somber, sobering acknowledgement of truth and, and just taking that shift in from this excitement and being home to this truth that I must return. And they said that the reason is I have too many people left to help. I have a very important purpose that I must carry out on the earth. I've not done that yet. <laughs> and so I needed, I needed to go back. And, and thinking of the split family dynamics I was in and um, different situations on the earth, I didn't want to go. <laughs> I don't want to go back. <laughs> I want to stay. <laughs> so. Um, the next thing that I remember after my great grandmother explained this to me, uh, that she had passed before I, I was born, um, was then waking up back in the room in a different position with little spots everywhere of these orbs that, um, I felt, um, like different beings around me and orbs that were super hyper focus, high definition, and then start fading out. And then I could see the room I was in, my brother, his friend, and became aware of where I was again, <laughs> which wasn't home anymore. And um, they explained to me uh, what had happened. They both seemed to be apart and with their heads hung and like, oh, came to saying, Shauna, what, what happened? What happened? <laughs> and I explained it to them. And I wish I could say from that point, I could go shouting from the rooftops, my experience and all that just happened. That was not the case. Uh, it was not believed. I was told I was just being dramatic and um, 
that could not have happened. And so, yeah, it was, it was another journey altogether from that point. Well, thank you for sharing this journey. In the beginning, when you talked about playing this game, you said that you would be choked out and you would see cool stuff. So do you think your brother and his friend had some type of an experience as well? It's a really good question. I, I wish I could talk about it with him, but he has no recollection of any of all of that happening, which only fed into me just thinking, oh, okay, never happened. I'm insane. <laughs> so I, I choked it down and went on battling depression for years in and out and, and with the awareness that couldn't connect with others. Um, they did not explain necessarily that I, I have a foggy, vague recollection of the friend uh, when we tried it on him and he came to, um, he just said it was like a dream and he was in a field. Oh, this is crazy. I'm remembering this because I have it. <laughs> so thank you for asking. Now that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to recall, talked about being in a field and it was just a cool dream. But I wonder in light of what happened to me, if it, you know, he was, he was in that realm. There's many different people experience many different things, being in the mountains, being, you know, out in a big open field by a river. And so. Kind of sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you paid attention or even understood or knew when you were there, but at least at this point, what do you think those silhouettes were doing there on the other side? Another really good question. <laughs> I'm trying to not use my logic and instead go with what's being revealed even to me as you're asking. Uh, scripturally, uh, there is a Bible verse that says we are surrounded by a great many cloud of witnesses. And so as you ask that, uh, that's what came to me that are supposed to be the ones over there cheering us on, uh, helping us along, helping us carry out what we came to do. So that's, that's what I feel. So what's coming up for me as you ask that. Yeah. Um, honestly, I've, I've been to many different dimensions now since then and yeah that's still what keeps coming back to me as is that the particular ones that were there especially because they were surrounded by my great-grandmother They're overlooking, overlooking me even now as I'm on this with you and 
when you said that, it just like I felt all of them. <laughs> when you first came back, you saw orbs. Do you still see orbs? How often? Oh, all the time. I, probably every night that I lay in bed with my kids and we look up and um, yeah, I'll see several surrounded by certain people, just a couple. And um, yeah, I've, I've known sometimes they reveal themselves to me in actual form of angelic beings um, and other times just the orbs is what I see. And I still couldn't tell you why uh, with certain people and all of the things that I've seen. And um, is it the different things at different times? But there, there are several books that have helped me put understanding to and many things that our beautiful creator has explained to me and um, how open and closed a person is. Obviously, you were in third grade and very young when this happened. And you mentioned that no one believed you when you came back. But overall, did you have some giant fundamental change about you immediately? Yeah, I was always sensitive before this. And um, one visit, my aunt explained that she had been plagued in her dreams by this mean muscle man. And when she came to visit me to babysit me for my mom, uh, she said I dropped my cup in the kitchen with the water going everywhere. And she saw me just looking like I saw a ghost <laughs> and uh, that I described him to her to a T. And um, so I'd, I already having those experiences and then this happening, it took me into a whole different dimension of here, feeling, sensing, picking up on everybody, um, almost posing as actors in a play. It was very surreal to have to spin out for years on what is that purpose? Why, why am I here? Uh, it was very painful to go to school, be around people. I mean, people in high school even knew me as the girl that just always looked down. And, you know, you could ask many of my classmates that they all thought I was prudish or um, felt like I was too good, but it couldn't have been more opposite. <laughs> I didn't want to acknowledge them and look at them and connect too much and burden them with having to wave back at me or interact with me. And, and it's weird that later on and receiving so much beautiful healing that it was, I, I was avoiding from that point forward, making anyone too uncomfortable at the things I would see and sense and know. And I didn't want to make them too uncomfortable. I was too afraid with connecting too deeply because I was, I was noticing very quickly <laughs> that after that experience and I would point certain things out with people it just always made them uncomfortable. They, they couldn't figure me out. They didn't, I was just slightly off and weird. Pointing things out in what way? Uh, for example, 
as friends would come to me with issues that would come up uh, among other people in their lives, I just, it, it was a knowing <laughs> that just would spontaneously come up that I would spurt out that even I didn't know until it comes out of my mouth. And I can only recall one friend in particular <laughs> that when that happened, it changed her whole dynamic as she embraced it, but many people don't embrace it. And um, so what she shared to me was just some turmoil with another friend and I, and the knowing that would come out, explained to her exactly what that friend was going through that made her say what she said. And it coming from a root of her own mother and making her feel that way from her own mother and just knowing, I just knew, I would just know the root of the causes of people's pain and their life and, and how and why it was there. And uh, it was painful for me to pick up on and know and see that at such a young age, because it just always seemed to make people so uncomfortable. Uh, I now know in re retrospect to allow people to come to me <laughs> and because then they're open and receptive and they're ready. They're ready to see the roots and to heal. And, um, but as a kid, you can't really, you can't really explain that to them. And instead it becomes, especially through different family dynamics. So I'm the problem. And so if I'm the problem everywhere I go and the things that I know, I'll just keep my mouth shut. I won't say much. I'll, um, and I just learned to go in and, and recluse and be odd, <laughs> be peculiar. And, you know, it, in asking any of my friends, I, I could only go so close with people and, um, and different dynamics, but always just kind of pulled back and, and was always one that I'd rather keep my own company, which wasn't really my own company. So I was never by myself and crack myself up. And um, I learned to do that very well. <laughs> what other gifts do you think you received from this NDE? Ooh. From the NDE in particular, it's hard to say because of the things I was already sensitive to and picked up beforehand. I only recently found out that from my um, father's late wife, um, he committed suicide in 2004, hearing too many voices. And that she dubbed him clairvoyant. Um, and then on my mom's side, uh, I have a, a very connected aunt <laughs> that um, is, is very gifted as well. And my own mom, um, I could go on and on about the different things that she just knows. And so it's hard to separate now and the things that have been revealed to me more of what I received as opposed to what was activated. Yeah, that's and a good point. in the activation of these things already in my DNA, I wish I had at some point chosen, hey, give me a good mentor right away <laughs> and let him explain everything to me. Um, my mom tried her best 
And I commend her in taking me to very, we just talked about that actually before this, that she took me to Reverend Rainbow. And I was baptized here in Austin by Reverend Rainbow. And they taught all about meditation and sensitivities and certain other ways of just how to go in and connect up. And, and that was invaluable for me um, in that mode of my upbringing. My mom didn't even quite understand the depth and breadth of um, how to help me or, or what anything was, but she was told by a group of people in one of the places that she brought me to, you know, your, your daughter is different. Uh, she's special, me and my brother. And uh, they they spoke over me to her that um, we are going to need guidance. And there are some things that uh, they were willing to help with. And I couldn't tell you why she stopped going. I think what she briefly told me is she just kind of got scared, um, not being so many unknowns. And but the fact that she even did and knew to try and bring us to some people that could help and support um, is fascinating to um, very much point out that she had a very strong, just innate sense of, of things and her information seeking my whole life has been very avid, very vast, very a, a myriad of religions and things and that she could probably fill a library of all the books that that she's also read my aunt also her sister and a, a lot of the books I've come across in the last five years of my life and a whole different kind of awakening have very much been from my aunt's library you mentioned earlier that you had depression did all of that stem from being depressed about being back here yes that I can give a really good <laughs> explanation of it was it was hard. It was very hard to be here. And after when you're there, you experience such connectedness and peace and serenity and this euphoric different existence. And so when you come here, everything's heavier. Everything is <laughs> so much heavier as if it wasn't already heavy before <laughs> so it, it's almost like it brought to light that vast contrast which actually in many cases is good for us to have that contrast to know the areas in us that we can work on but it it as an eight-year-old <laughs> feeling that contrast and that heaviness and the density of this flesh suit and the different roles and titles of people and what they carry out here. Frankly, a lot of times I didn't want any part of it. I didn't know how to penetrate it. I don't didn't know how to embrace it, how to love it or hate it. It just, it was kind of this blah, depressed in between thing. Um, I, I tried to just stay neutral about a lot, but I learned because of 
figuring out the weight of these human words that we speak and the reactions we get out of people, we're over there. It's it's not from here. Um, you know, I, I, I know they also say from from the heart, the mouth speaks. But over there, it's like you just are pure love and light and goodness and wholeness. And that is who we really are. It's, it's who we really are. So all this other stuff is just stuff. Really is just that. But it's what people identify as them. It's, no, I am this because I acted this way. And I am an angry person because I am angry about this. And it's been hard being the oddball and communicating with people. Oh, wait, no, no, no. That's not, yes, you're angry. But, you know, let's see what you're angry at. You're not an angry person. And I was able to embrace many people, but it's like, I, I didn't know how to filter my gift. So I would just absorb all of it. It was just this big sponge, just absorbing all of it. I hated people being in pain. I hated them um, being confused or angry about anything. So everywhere I went, it was, I would just absorb it. And I, you know, to be transparent in that front, even with myself to acknowledge that I didn't really even know there was another way of existence. <laughs> I didn't know there was another way to be other than sitting with them in their pain. Uh, I was always drawn in school to the loners, the outcasts, and the people nobody else wanted to talk to. Uh, I was severely bullied myself um, for several years <laughs> by some girls at school and never once lashed back at them. And a, a, a close friend of mine became friends with them one day. And as I saw her treating me the same way and going off with them, just as a glimpse, Jeff, of how different I was and how this did change me that I can say the experience changed me as. It gave me the awareness to even be able to speak this to that group of bullies that I didn't speak to them and who they were. I said, you are not the way you have been raised. You are not, and, and came up in front of them. I said, I, I have witnessed all of the things that you've said to me. I would never say a single one of the many things you've said to me to you because it's not who you are. And even this and the role that you're playing and who you are being towards me, I know you think you have no other choice, but you have a choice and you can choose to not be this way, not be how you've been treated, not be how you've been raised and, and choose a different life for yourself. Now, Jeff, I, they never spoke a word to me after that, but at least they stopped bullying me from that point forward. And I moved away. This was seventh grade. And it was after uh, the latter part of two, three years of being bullied by them. And when I came back in high school, uh, I couldn't believe that in the cafeteria, my first day back, coming in the cafeteria when you're that little kid and you're scouting out the cafeteria, okay, where's the safest place to sit? <laughs> and it was this group of girls that had bullied me, that had their arms flung open, calling me over to them, 
and told me how much I changed their life. And they were happy. They were doing good in school. I mean, they were like the slum, the local phrase, you grew up in San Antonio too, they call them cholas. <laughs> and they had given up on ever thinking they could be anything and told me how much they did good in school. They were part of sports and telling me like, Yeah, so that's the glimpse of how different I was. But but it would be a very rare occurrence that people, and it usually took years for them to acknowledge uh, what had even happened when they would engage with me and, and what I was even speaking. And um, I would just be speaking to their their core being of who they really are and not the stuff. Are you in contact with your guides or angels or any other beings? Yes. <laughs> Would you say that you're also in contact or communication with your higher self? Absolutely. Would you like to expand on any of that? I would love to. <laughs> Um, yes, I can very distinctly feel when I'm fluctuating in and out of my higher self taking over and me, Shauna, because we came here complete with the personality we have for a reason, with all the beautiful traits that we have, the star alignment that we have. And so I'm very aware when it is me, Shauna, and I get to play and be free. And when I am being stilled and pulled in and extending up into a different realm of existence. And I feel the stature and the role of my higher self and what she is reminding me <laughs> of, of doing here and, and the, the wisdom intended to pour out. I was in an open field one time visiting a friend in North Texas that had 22 acres. And for all you number geeks, I know, two, two. Um, <laughs> and I'm sitting on her 22 acres in her, in her mobile home and felt led to come outside, sit on the grass and look up in the sky and take in the cows that are way over in the next field. And as I'm sitting there, I, I had the Bible with me at the time I was scouring scripture and piecing together, communing with our beautiful creator and Jesus. <laughs> uh, on explaining this stiff judgmental scripture to me and giving me a different understanding because this is not the realm of heaven I know. This is not the creator I know. Um, and as we're having this conversation, I look up and all of a sudden all the cows are right in front of me, <laughs> all staring at me. And uh, I'm going somewhere with this to your question, I promise. Hire yourself. Um, so as all of the cows are now staring at me, I just get this whoosh, quickening in my spirit and an extending up of looking towards the skies. And there is the most massive woman. Just, it looks like something, if you see never ending story, the dragon and never ending story plowing through the skies 
it was like that, but in a woman form. And she's extending towards me, her breast, her face, everything. And I just, my breath catches in my throat. My friend comes out and she's witnessing it. And all of a sudden, um, <laughs> it's whispered to me, I want you to be as the wise woman sweeping the earth. And so that's the main role of my higher self. <laughs> but me, Shauna, and my role is to have fun and teach others they can too. And that life doesn't have to be this serious as we are spiritual beings who chose this body, this experience to come and have a human experience. And we forget that a lot and think we're human beings that need to try to have a spiritual experience. And while that is beautiful, it's, it's not the reality of what I've been shown and told. And so in this moment, it became very tangibly in the sky, <laughs> concrete to me. Um, every time I am aware and I acknowledge that quickening in my spirit and the pulling up and ascending into a different dimension and seeing things from a different perspective. And one of the indie support groups I attended, the man I had no clue what he was saying at the time before having these experiences said, when I explained what I explained to you, everything was so heavy. I don't know how to relate with people and what I see. He said, Shauna, all you have to do is just come up, just come up. And I was so frustrated because I had no clue what the heck that meant. What do you mean come up? If it was that easy, I'd do it. And that's why I had to have a grand awakening uh, of having mercy on me and not just keeping me in that place of in between and the depression and the, the wandering and the confusion forever. Do you think that your NDE was an accident or you actually planned to have it? And what I now know, I think that was one of, if I can speak openly about this, what the father, creator, source, what everybody wants to call him, explained to me. And yes, for me, it was a him. I realized with others, it's a he, she, she, he. But for me, it was a very male source of all life that explained our life in a sphere. And it's funny that I do see orbs and you pointed out orbs, but he showed me an orb being a source of this lifetime and in all life within us with different points on the orb being our main checkpoints of what our soul goes through to experience. And he said, within those checkpoints, though, Shauna is free will. And I can't violate, nobody can violate free will. You get to choose in free will, how to get to those different checkpoints. And I can't infringe upon the different ways that you choose how to get to those. So it's interesting you do ask that. It's something I've never even thought of, of considering, did I choose that one? Was that a free will one? Because <laughs> um, I could have just said, no, I'm not playing this stupid game. You guys do your own crazy stuff, but I didn't. And isn't that all of us as we're, hey, you want to drag man on your first hit of, you know, trying marijuana or everything else in life. 
your girlfriend that comes along and you know she's a bad influence. Oh, come on, let's go shopping. It's just one time. And then all of a sudden she pulls you under her shopping addiction. And we all have that free will choice of that first choice. And, and we feel it. We feel the check in our spirit. We feel that important moment where we know this is going to change our whole lives or at least for the next week or for the next hour at that party, at that event. And I believe in what he explained to me and what I've seen, it's those moments that are those free will moments of even it, the beauty of it is even if we say no, it's okay because different circumstances and events are going to come along to keep trying to pull us into that checkpoint, that next major thing that we signed up, agreed to, wanted to go through for the experience. So even if we say yes or the no, and, and just to push that even farther, I was married 13 years, the father of my kids, and at 16, I had an open eye vision of our future together, having kids when we weren't even together. I was just visiting that town. And there were things that happened <laughs> that caused me to, to hate him <laughs> and think, man, I don't want to be serious with this guy. And to and I chose a different path. I joined the Air Force, I went my own way. <laughs> And lo and behold, I get a phone call from a friend that says he is going around town saying, if he ever married anyone, I'm the one and only, only girl all through the years. He's never been able to get out of his head. And if he married anyone, it would only be me. Now, isn't that crazy, Jeff? <laughs> you made a great impression on him. Oh, must have. <laughs> um, but that that's so to your point of, of free will. And if I chose it, so many people get caught up on, and I was one of them. It's what contributed greatly to my meltdown. Um, I don't want to make the wrong choice. Can't make the wrong choice. And it causes so much anxiety disorders and everything else with mental health right now of people just running on that script of trying to get everything perfect and everything figured out and do it all just right every day. But from what I now know, <laughs> that was a checkpoint. Obviously, Jeff, that must have been who pre-birth kind of sat down with me and showed me the plan. <laughs> was like, all right, I'm gonna come to earth. You're gonna come to earth. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna get married. We're, we're going to have these kids and they're going to be amazing and they're going to have their own little purposes on the earth. And, and, and we got to do this ready, go. And you're going to hate me a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> like, it's when we look at it that way, it makes it so much more embraceable. And because yes, nine years later, we were in my open eyed vision, exactly where we were in his parents' house with those kids doing what we were doing. And, and I never in a million years would have ever thought that would have ever circled back around ever. So it, it is interesting that, um, and, and even others that I have put off and thought, I don't want to have anything to do with them, which seems to be a theme. <laughs> like that 
person or situation I didn't want anything to do with is precisely, and, and, and I say this because I have tended to notice in many people that it's when they feel that sandpaper, there's something to that. Go into that. Don't avoid that. Go into that. Embrace that sandpaper feeling to have it reveal to you a soul lesson, something that is being worked on to liberate from. And um, because yes, and in many of those situations, no matter what I do or how I try to avoid it later on, I get the deja vu moments where I realized I have already dreamt this or had a vision about this and it's playing out and I can almost tell you what's about to happen, what's about to be said. Um, and I have a beautiful mentor who lets me know, oh, that, that was in your review, what you already have reviewed and is now playing out. So, you know, you're exactly at that checkpoint where you're supposed to be and are remembering all you're doing is remembering. Have you had any other future visions of the earth that you're expecting to play out? And if so, can you reveal them to us? Well, what I will reveal in that intro, not of the earth is yes. Other visions that played out. I told their dad about our daughter before we had her. He's like, ah, we're never having kids after this one, just one, one and done. And uh, yeah, she came, she looked exactly how I saw. And in 2019, I kept getting woken up with buildings crumbling, structures falling um, over and over and over. And it was plaguing me, it was everywhere I went. Um, as I would lay down for a nap really quick, five minutes, seeing stuff, you know, shattering, falling apart. And I finally just asked, I'm like, all right, what's going on? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> and I was encountered immediately. It was like, he had just been waiting for me to ask, <laughs> which is interesting. Also, there's so much anguish we go through because we just haven't asked. And the second we even challenge ourselves to not be too afraid to ask and go in uh, it busts wide open and I share this in particular because we are still in this now on what's going on on the earth he told me that his church walls are coming down and a new ecclesia was going to rise up in the cracks, all the rubble. Um, and, you know, I have this written in some journal somewhere, so wording might not be exact. But he explained to me also when you're saying he, you're referring to an angel or a guide. What I came to know is the father. Abba, source, creator, himself. Um, because there's a difference. You feel the different frequencies and there's many different planes of existence and beings. Um, I love, there's a book in particular called Advanced Theta Healing where she beautiful expl beautifully explains um, 
the different planes and the beings that exist on the planes. And she teaches healing by pulling from source, our creator himself's knowledge and divine healing and liberation in people's lives. That's the one true source. And in the journey I had before this in losing my mind and um, having to be restored in that place, there were a sequence of events that happened <laughs> that were undeniable. And uh, in 2015 or 16, before COVID, I was told by a boss that I had to go get a flu shot and there was no exception. And I never gotten one before. I got the flu shot. I grew terribly ill. And in the middle of the night, I didn't think I was going to make it through the night. And for the first time, I finally, as I felt my heart starting to not beat anymore and thud in my chest and was struggling for breath, I became aware that I might not live through the night. <laughs> so I finally called out, like, God, all right, if you're, if you're hearing, if you're listening right now, just like, get me through the night. I can't leave my kids. And it was like a voice that was everywhere and nowhere all at once in me, out of me, audible, inaudible. I, it, it was it, unlike anything in any of the realms <laughs> that I had ever experienced or encountered before. And I came to know that as the voice of our source of life himself. Um, I don't know why he was reciting scripture. What I came to know as scripture, I couldn't tell you what any of those verses were or why he felt the need to do that. But I, and asking him later, um, there's no other way. I would have dismissed it a gazillion ways because I didn't know a lick of scripture. I didn't know anything biblically and it was going to foreshadow certain spheres later on that I was going to be walking in and be an influence with. So that was the importance of that. But after the scripture stopped about five minutes spouting out and beforehand, I didn't, yeah, I um, wish I had written down specifically what he was reciting. He told me that I was going to get through the night um, and I was about to go through a period of my life where truths and untruths were going to be revealed to me and asked that I do only one thing for him in return. And I said, sure, yeah, anything. Um, he said, I'm going to need you to rest in me no matter what, no matter what it looks like, sounds like, what you think it is, rest in me. And again, no clue what that meant. So to answer your question on who he is, that night, it became apparent to me, this all being of all life uh, spoke to me, encountered me, was with me, and, and yet still going through probably the worst year of my entire life that next year. Um, you know, I forgot. <laughs> it was like, yeah, intense pain, um, a lot of 
occurrences in my life that happened that contributed to a meltdown, just all out meltdown. And um, even in that meltdown, there were a lot of places that I sought for truth and understanding of, um, I'll leave it up to you how much I share and the first major portal opening and encounters and other stuff um, that happened after. <laughs> Before we move on, let's get back to what did the creator share with you about all these buildings being destroyed? Yes, yes, yes. Um, so when I asked, um, and he revealed to me, um, that a new, uh, people were going to be rising up from the cracks in the most unlikely of places, the most unlikely people that were going to come carrying his message on the earth that were waking up that we're going to start speaking truth that in all of the time that the church had been formed carrying out an agenda not carrying his heart not moving in unconditional love that that was going to change that it needed to change it was very important for it to take on a new, a new heart, his heart, his perspective. Um, yeah, and and not coming from the church, I I really had no clue why he was telling me this, uh, how it pertains to me, what I was supposed to do with it, and. Uh, it was crazy that the very next year when COVID hit, many other things started happening of seeing, oh yeah, okay, look at all these church walls closing and <laughs> people going crazy everywhere because now they can't go to church and they lived, breathed, um, performed church and now they couldn't. So isn't this interesting as I'm just bearing witness to all these things? And there's major shifts that started taking place and different checkpoints. And, and what he had revealed to me was going to start changing in the structure of how people claiming to be connected with him, speaking his truths, um, scouring scriptures and using them against one another. Um, in one particular vision, he showed me Jesus on the cross and a whole bunch of Christians on their knees um, asking forgiveness and repenting and, and wanting Jesus and him explaining to me, Shauna, I cannot give them what I've already given them. They already have it. They have it. And spanning over to a body of water and everybody under the water, drowning each other, choking each other out, stomping on each other. And I see Jesus up on the bank and they don't even acknowledge him, see him. And he said, this is what people are doing in Christianity. 
is what they're doing. They're competing rather than embracing, separating and dividing rather than unifying, and on and on and on, all these things that was happening. And then every place you took me to, I'd be like, oh, wow, is this finally where I can have some family? And um, he would say, no, you're just here to bear witness, just bear witness to what's happening here and then happening here. Has God revealed for you a message for humanity? Jeff, I know you've seen a lot of these and heard a lot of these, but it really is just that simple. Just love each other. Just love. And it's the hardest thing for people to do. But if people genuinely, truly, um, even in my moments, I have moments all the time. We all have moments. <laughs> um, in a particular situation, he spanned me out into the universe and showed me me as a speck of light. And it was like a dwindling, dying star. And he said, Sean, this is you right now. Because <laughs> I was angry. <laughs> and I had all this angst. And um, I was, I was struggling with a situation that I was going through. And he then said, but here is you when you're in joy, gratitude, love. And it's all pouring out through that place. And it was like this supernova. <laughs> and it burst throughout the whole universe, lit everything up. And he said, now imagine if everybody did that at once. Imagine. So a message to humanity that's still unfolding <laughs> in all my human moments. <laughs> but I have to go through the human moments. It's vital because it's in those human moments that he reveals more and more and more to me along the way. And that's the beauty of it for all of us. Has the memory of your NDE faded over the years? Yes. Yes. Sometimes it's stronger than others. When I think on it or I share, it used to be so vivid that every time I, I thought on it, it would cripple me for days. And so it's honestly why I avoided NDE groups and felt like I wouldn't be able to handle being around others who were because we would all just band together and be like, screw the world. <laughs> um, but it's not why we came. We came to, yes, support each other, but we all serve such a vital and important purpose and and the areas of the earth that we're at and, and why we're here and being that light on the earth to show others they can be too. And they are, they really are. It's just under all these layers of stuff, <laughs> the stuff, all the stuff. Do you personally know quite a few other NDEers? Yes. <laughs> I, close to me within like five minutes is a very near and dear friend of mine. And she's had several throughout her life, but, but it's not, it's, as you well know, some come with 
crazy supernatural experiences. Um, others just seeing light, um, the white or the void, or, I mean, it's, it's all over the place. Others are taken to what they know as hell and um, have to face the fire breathing gates of hell. And, um, but yes, I've heard many a different stories and sat with others with their own experiences and some more, some less than mine. And the recurring theme though, between all of us is that the feeling of home. And when we, we're over there and the truth of that existence. When you're with them, is there some sort of unspoken but recognizable connection that you have? Oh, I love that question. <laughs> we are not all created equal. And that greatly depends on the amount of truth they've been able to embrace of their existence here because everything is frequency. We can still be in, um, it, it's interesting and in coming around others, some have been stuck many, 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 many years in the low frequency of that anger that they can't be back there again, the unforgiveness, the hate, um, thinking it just downright stinks here. And so it, it, just like with anyone else, um, as we come around each other and there's those few that are still struggling, honestly, what I would like to see more of is us others who are not struggling quite as much, wrapping that person in love, pulling them into deeper truth of, but we're all on our own journey. Um, and I would be pulling them into deeper truths of what, because they may be right where they're at for a reason also, and on that same journey also. But to answer your question about the telepathic and the, when you're with others awakened to their purpose and in their divine purpose, living their divine truth, it's magic. <laughs> it's beautiful. And it is such a high frequency of existence that it's almost hard to pull away from and come out of. And I don't even know how to word <laughs> to, to just pull apart and, and go back to normal life. A lot of people um, stay networked with one another. And just this past Sunday, I was at a support group and I heard a beautiful testimony of um, uh, another NDA that shared her walk and she thanked me for choosing, uh, hell on earth <laughs> and, to, to intention to be around adversaries and people stuck in such thick judgment and their shadow and, and different situations that make it very difficult to still be the light because she said she herself only chooses to be around others that edify and build her up and speak life into her. And my walk's been a little different, <laughs> but 
when we are together, it and this is not just other NDEers, by the way. Um, I know the very first I came across, uh, as I shared with you, was at a conference, totally secular conference for marriage restoration. And as I was going through the lobby, he beelined for me across the lobby and um, looked me straight in the face, was like, you know, and looked around, was like, I know what? It's like, you've been. <laughs> I'd never talked about it. And like I told you, I, I couldn't share that. I couldn't talk about it. You know, I had an atheist husband and others that, you know, would just think you're crazy. And so the second that he, number one, knew and came up to me and called me out, it was the most beautiful experience of the, that had this profound effect because it jolted something in me of, you know, maybe that was another checkpoint um, because it jolted something in me of acknowledging, fully, fully acknowledging and re-embracing what really did happen. And uh, the fact that somebody else on the earth can identify that in me and that I have and I'm aware was beautiful. Did he tell you how he knew? You know, he did. It was such a brief exchange and he could tell that he was making my husband uncomfortable. <laughs> and um, because, I mean, yes, it was this man also that's by himself. And uh, we have this crazy, unexplainable connection that seems like we know each other, but we've never met. And um, he just, I think I, in retrospect, did ask, you know, how, how he knew, how he's aware. But you talk about the telepathic thing before I could even ask him. Um, <laughs> he already answered my question and said he just could see the light. And that's interesting to point out because it's crazy. I haven't thought about that in a really long time. Fast forward into my workplace, um, many people being drawn to my cubicle, including a self-professed witch, and seeing around my cubicle Roman soldiers spearing Jesus, blood gushing everywhere. And I asked her one day after many months of coming to me and venting, and we were co-workers in our early 20s, um, but never met each other. We didn't even know we were in the same place, same time. Um, so we bonded over that. And then, but this was right in the thick of my awakening into other, other spheres of influence on the earth. And so I just asked her, why do you keep coming to me despite seeing, you know, what many would perceive as this religion that I'm a part of? And uh, because what she shared was that she had an Uber driver that was a Bible beater and was just so rude and trying to cram the Bible down her throat. And um, she was just appalled. And these people that just claim to be Christians and <laughs> uh, they got it all wrong. And so I, I finally asked her point blank in that venting that she had with me. And she said, Shauna, I see the light. You know, I, I go off energy and light and I've never seen somebody or known somebody so full of that energy and that light is you. 
And so it, it's interesting that you point out the end years and when we have those experiences and the gifts that we step into and possibly being marked <laughs> by that light. I might take you off the rails here, but do you also see UFOs? No. Okay. That's okay. Some do, some don't. Well, it's it's interesting because I've had, um, I have a very vast friend network and know many, um, but I can tell you when I first started going to spiritual awakening groups as my first breadcrumb, I was trying to look for seeking truth after um, I had some experiences and was wanting to try to find others. And in one of the spiritual awakening meetup groups, I was the only one in the whole group that didn't have my experience through drugs or substance. And so I was an oddball. Um, they, they couldn't figure out that anomaly. We're like, wait, what, what were you on? Wait, let's back up. Wait, explain again. <laughs> this portal opened and like, what, what, what did you do? What did you do to get that? Um, and in the group, uh, there was a guy sitting next to me and I could already feel him, could hear his thoughts almost. And, and I was trying to block it out so that I could focus on others in the group. And sure enough, right as the leader was starting to close, he comes and bum rushes me. And he said, the part of your story where you mentioned um, speaking that language, when the portal opened and your head slammed back in the grass and you started speaking that language, that's light language, isn't it? I know it is because I have been studying extraterrestrials and they visit me all the time. See them out my window. I'm, I see it circling in the sky. And I, for eight years, have struggled to get rid of this anxiety. And I know they're doing it and have a part to play in it. And um, I just know, I can't explain to you how I know, but I just know that if you lay hands on me and you speak that light language, that it's going to help me. And so he arranged to, to come to my house and, and you have to understand, I was still like a babe out of like trying to find truth myself <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? Okay. Well, I mean, if it, he goes, I'll pay you, I'll pay you. And I said, okay, but I, I mean, I don't care about the money. I just, I don't know if that's going to work. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, I know it is. It's okay if you don't, I just know it is. And the faith that he had was far above in a way what I was even trying to figure out or understand and fathom what had even happened to me when that portal opened. And um, the, the one guy in the group that was also on the other side of me was kind of overhearing this. And so he started following the guy and me out the door. And then he asked before I went to this guy that was going to pay me if I could just give him a little taste. Like, what is going on? <laughs> So I, I put my hand on his head and know what was happening and started speaking the language. I didn't even know I could spontaneously speak what happened to me not trying before. Uh, I wasn't even sure I could reproduce it or, or that it was something I could on the spot uh, bring in. And But sure enough, it started coming out and he just started shaking and had sweat beads on his head and it's like whoa and I'm looking at my hand and like this is doing something <laughs> I mean just in a really naive raw real place that I I 
didn't even know what was going on because I was, I'd lost my mind and was on six lorazepam a day, six lorazepam a day. I had to take one every two hours to keep from doing this. And my nerves, my adrenal system completely shut down. My central nervous system gone. And um, in order to get to work, because I was still working, I had gone to the VA hospital right when I had the complete shutdown. Um, I was about to um, go into a second marriage. And the week to be married, I, in the middle of the night, woke up with more terror and panic and feeling like I was in a horror movie than I had ever known was even humanly possible to contain or possess in a human body. And when I woke up with that, I naturally went to a psychic <laughs> and, and said, am I not supposed to marry this guy? And the psychic said, nope, when's the wedding? Friday. And this was like a Wednesday. And he goes, oh, well, okay, good luck. Um, things will get a little bit clearer in February. This was October. <laughs> so it's going to be a wild ride, uh, but you're going to learn a lot. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. So yeah, sure enough, it was through the marriage and having to take colonoscopy just to even get through the ceremony and get to the honeymoon. And when it wore off, that crippling panic fear everything else just would not let up and it didn't for a latter part of two years you mentioned the portal is that something separate from your nde i don't think you told us about that what happened yeah so as i went to the veterans hospital and they gave me lorazepam for the terror and the panic and anxiety that I, I don't even know how I got through moment to moment, honestly, let alone the almost two years that it went on. My family said they couldn't even understand me. I don't even know how I was able to function. Most days I didn't. Uh, my three kids had to sit and watch all of it, but only about a month into being in that state, um, I was at work and I became aware that I could not keep functioning this way for long. I mean, six lorazepam a day is a lot, a lot. And I was somebody who was paranoid to even take too much Excedrin because I didn't want to get addicted. And, um, so in that place, I, I had a friend of mine, I had a boss at the time who told me, Sean, I'd rather you on your worst day than anyone else on their best. And that saved my life because it helped me um, seek out healing modalities that I was going to need to get through. And a friend who said, Shauna, you have a calling on your life. <laughs> and instantly I was taken back to the NDE and what I was told. And looking at her like, how do you know? <laughs> and she said, it was all over you in the interview. I've known it since the second I met you and felt it. And you need to armor up because it's under attack. 
and you're going to need as much as you can get to fight against this attack on your life. And she told me to get Joyce Meyer's Battlefield of the Mind. I'm like, really? A Christian book? Uh, no, thanks. <laughs> I'm not going that route. And she tells me a story of being in high school and being taken to a camp and her dramatic moment of encountering the presence of God for the first time in her life and her life never being the same since and her being filled with the Holy Spirit, um, tongues and fire. And I didn't even know what that was. The reason she told me this story, Jeff, is to answer your question. I did get that book and I could not put it down. It was explaining so much of what was happening. And one term in particular that was used was mind-binding spirits. And when I saw that word, it jumped off the page at me and I wrote it down. And then choice parts of some of the book, it was the biggest piece that washed over me that I had felt in weeks just reading that book. And I never wanted it to stop because I didn't want to not have that piece. And I love that that was happening to me because it gave me a gauge of where peace was and where it wasn't. It made it very clear. And so I went outside of my work in the grass under a tree and I laid there and I had written down, uh, I am filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even know what I was saying, but I just knew in this book, those little things that Joyce Meyer spoke about um, these are the things that called to me. So I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I rebuke you, Satan, your mind-binding spirits and your negative thoughts. I deserve love. I deserve happiness in Jesus's name. And I never could have thought what was going to happen just in saying these things. My mom raised me with like mantras and positive affirmations and the secret and Joe Dispenza and all of that. I had a very colorful upbringing. And here I was saying this very religious <laughs> uh, thing. And around the fifth time that I said it, my speech started just going turbo speed. And I couldn't even say it anymore. It was just now. And at the time, it went from that and then into Egyptian was the best that I could try and comprehend was coming out and then my body slammed back in the grass and this huge portal through the universe opened above me light circuits shooting everywhere and I started getting hit over and over and over with electricity and waves of like this these ancient truths and fire all over my body and couldn't explain why and why these words were causing this to erupt and I wanted to come out of it so that somebody at my work didn't call EMS or think I was seizing. And, and so I was vaguely aware that this needs to hurry it. And we need to hurry this along here because I'm on the clock. I got to get back in. And, um, but it's still happening. And when it stopped, I got up and everything looked like high definition. And like I'm looking at things from a whole different lens and felt crystal clear and I'm, I'm walking around feeling like I'm living in a matrix <laughs> in a movie observing people acting in it and what they're doing and things I became deeply aware of 
the interconnectedness of. And walking through the building, coming back to my desk, my friend immediately sees something is really different. And I told her what happened. And she was like, congratulations, you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm like, wait, what? And she explains a similar experience that she had also. That's when she started explaining all of that to me. And that that happened to her in high school. And I needed her at that exact moment to explain that to me so that I could know. So I mentioned before wishing that earlier in my life, I had a mentor, like she explained to me things that otherwise who knows where I would have gone spinning off the rails and, and, um, but still anti-religious, anti-Christian, like, I mean, not anti-Christian. I had an experience as a child seeing the story of Jesus wrecked in that story of love and, and all of that, but still distinguishing very readily the judgment of Christianity and the stifling. I had a boyfriend that took me to a Catholic church when I was 15 and didn't want any part of that. All I heard was do your homework or going to hell. Don't do this. Or you're going to hell. And like, I never want to step foot in a church again. This is horrible. This is what happens. <laughs> but my mom, the places she took me to were very different. They sat around meditating and it was all love. And so in this moment, I did not want to acknowledge. I didn't want to acknowledge Jeff at all. Any of the things she was saying to me, but yet something at my core was grabbing hold of it. I'm like, nope, you need this. You need this. This is vital for why you're here and what you're doing. And, and so I still, you know, go back home, do meditations, all the chakras. I went through Reiki practitioner certification, became a master Reiki practitioner. Even in going through those classes, it, it's, I was the only one in the class that the students would ask the instructor, why are Shauna's hands like fire? And, and it brings healing and mine are cold. And this is the experience it, there was, there was a contrast and I didn't know. I was trying to find truth myself. That's why I'm in the class. And the instructor couldn't tell me. And it was heartbreaking and frustrating everywhere I went. I went to another, um, I think it was called Phoenix Rising, a spiritual awakening shop here in Austin. And you know, in Austin, it's, it's everywhere where you can go to seek all different modalities and, and different truths so that we are all beautifully discovering. And I went to hear a spiritual counselor. He called himself a spiritual counselor. So I said, well, that's, that sounds cool. That sounds like exactly what I need because <laughs> I need to know some things. And, and I went and sat in his group and a lot of things happened, but what walked away in that main takeaway was him saying, Shauna, why do you ask these questions when you already know all of the answers? And I, it hit me like a brick over the head. Like, how, how could I possibly know these answers? And he said, have you ever asked what your relationship is with the Apostle Paul? Like, what? <laughs> the Apostle Paul? And then it jogged my memory sitting in a meditation group one time and I was told in the meditation group when we were supposed to ask 
who our spiritual guides are, that one of the names was Paul. Another was Mary Magdalene. Another was Raphael and Michelangelo. But this was some time ago. But when he said this, it's like, wait, Paul, Paul, Apostle Paul, what? So all these little pieces were starting to collect. And, and he invited me into a whole different dimension of the fact that I already knew. And it never occurred to me before that point that, that I did know. And so he told me to seek all the answers within. Shauna, due to time, I need to switch gears with you. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you open to that? Absolutely. What's the best way to reach you? Uh, well, I have, I have a Facebook group called ABBA, Cadabra, A-B-B-A, space C-A-D-A-B-R-A. -A. Um, I created it avoiding a YouTube channel, so I commend you, and instead doing the safer route of a Facebook group and allowing a safe platform for people to come in that's more discreet and then to also share their experiences and things they're going through without judgment and unconditional love to figure it all out together. Before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? I'm going to invite you in to the truth of exactly what that spiritual counselor said to me. We all go around seeking out there, but it's not out there. It's in here. You have the light. You are the light. That's why you're here. So don't pay attention to the stuff that is trying to lead you out there to keep on seeking. And um, Jeff, before we did this, it was revealed to me just right before that I was shown you as a young boy laying in the grass, looking up to the skies and always having this inherent feeling of the more. Always, you've always been connected to it. And many of us are. And in that was showing me all of the truths you have. And that in a higher purpose of you wanting to also bring people's light out in them, let them share, let them shine. That there is for you also an amazing time you're going to go into of piecing together all of these truths you know and putting it in a beautiful book that I can't wait to read someday unless you've already written it and uh and seeing a collection of all of the moments of people who have shined their light bright and yours as well coming together and how you're going to piece that together to share with the world and so in that and the beautiful message is Gosh, just shine. Just shine. Please. The whole world is groaning for it. And it's why we're here. It really is to embrace yourself in every moment you are at as perfect. You are perfect where you are at. Shauna, thank you for that message. And thank you for being my guest. Thank you. It's been an honor and a privilege. And I love you and your wife so much. <laughs> I've never met you, met you. 
Thank you. We, we love you too. I know you. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.